in my opinion, I, I think one of the, the most critical skills that we could have today and moving forward is learning agility itself, being able to learn, having an open mind and, and being open to learning. Um, because things, I mean, look, look at whether it's chat GPT or generative AI or, or whatever it is, things are changing so rapidly that the shelf life of a skill, I think used to be about five years. Now it's down to less than a year, even six months. Yeah. So we have to be open to continuously learn and develop or you get left behind or. Welcome to seven to eight, our special series on seven to eight figure entrepreneurs. In this special series, I interview million dollars, some $10 million and even some million dollar business owners who uncover their twists and turns in their entrepreneurial adventure in order to help you to avoid the potholes and stick to the fast track. Welcome now to center stage, our next special guest. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I'm super glad that you're here with us today because I'm here with my most amazing guest, Damon. Damon, thank you so much for being here with us today. Michelle, thank you for having me, and it's great to be here. Awesome. So give us a highlight of who you are and what you do for business. Great. My name is Damon Lemby. I live in the San Francisco Bay Area. I'm the CEO of Learn It, which is a corporate training company. And we focus mostly on live instructor-led training and customers turn to us when they're looking to develop a culture of learning or onboard new managers or just upskill in today's most important skills. We do mostly virtual training. We do some in-person and uh, been around for 28 years and have upskilled close to 1.8 million people. So it's exciting. And then, uh, in April, I, I actually wrote a book, a leadership book called The Learn It All Leader. And so that's me in a very quick nutshell about what I do. I love it. So how did you get into the the learning arena as an industry? Yeah. Well, I never in my wildest dreams thought I would, I would be here. Um, my background, I grew up uh, playing sports and my dream always was to be a major league baseball player. And I was fortunate enough to be drafted by the Atlanta Braves uh, quite a while ago. You know, I'm dating myself, but I tell you 1990 and um, congratulations. <laughs> thank That's you. Awesome. Yeah. And you know, that was really my first uh, big decision. Do I go to college or do I take the uh, minor league path? And I, I decided to go, I got a full ride to Pepperdine university um, so I went there instead. I ended up getting hurt, moved over to Arizona State, played there, had a uh, great career, played in the College World Series, and I was ready to continue on, Michelle, with my baseball career, uh, being drafted previously. And unfortunately, I just didn't get picked up for whatever reason. And um, there I was at 22, and I was kind of like, you know, what do I do now? I always kind of identified as a baseball player. And I was really fortunate. Uh, I came from a family of entrepreneurs. My dad and my grandfather, we started everything from, uh, we had a very large real estate company, but we also had everything from a shopping center to a Chinese restaurant to a hotel chain. Wow. So, yeah. So I, you know, I had all these different opportunities, but I wasn't really sure if my skills were transferable. And it just happened to be back in uh, June of 94, my dad was coming up with this idea for a corporate, uh, for a computer training company at the time called Learn It. And I took uh, a job there as a receptionist. My dad never worked at Learn It, but I started as a receptionist. 
and I worked through all the different roles. And fast forward seven years later, I uh, moved into the CEO role and I've been doing it ever since. Congratulations. That's awesome. Before we get into this, because I find this whole topic fascinating, but I want to pick your brain just a little bit because I think that the whole identifying yourself as a certain person, because nobody says I, I play baseball you know, for a living. They say, I'm a baseball player. I'm, that's who I am. And there's a strong identity there. And I think a lot of people will look at that and go, oh, 22, nobody knows who they are at 22. But I think when you know that you know who you are, it becomes that much more difficult to be able to transition into something else. And I would have, I would think that the loss would have been devastating. And I think a lot of people right now are going through what they feel is like a devastating loss but there's clearly hope at the end of the tunnel. So can you talk to me just a little bit about that that transition of identifying yourself as one thing and then the willingness to go into something else, especially kind of the bottom of the rung? Like it, it I, I, and I may be playing this out more, but it sounds like that was a huge transition for you. It was a huge, it was, it was a huge transition for me, right? Because here I was, like like we said, I identify. I was a baseball player, and mm -hmm. my closest friends, many of them, went on to play in, in uh, minor leagues and in the in the and in the major league baseball. And it was really difficult, you know, going to the Giants game and seeing my best friend Jacob Cruz. I was super happy for him, but hit a home run against the Dodgers in his rookie season, you know. And this was uh, six months or eight months after my career ended. So it was very, very difficult and it was devastating. You know, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of a loss and it doesn't have to be just sports. You know, it could be losing your job or, or whatever it is. Right. And yeah. so um, that had a big impact on me. And the, like I said, I was lucky that I had, I had opportunities to move into and I knew that I had to do something right. And I'm the kind of person, Michelle, who kind of jumps in, you know, full force, you know, and, uh, and, and that's what I did. And I decided I, I wanted to start at the bottom of the, uh, you know, at the, as a receptionist, because I wanted, you know, learn it was a small company back then. We had about eight, 10 employees. Now we have about 80, 90. And I wanted to prove that I belong there and work my way up instead of just, you know, my dad gave me something right. You know, and, I uh, and I talk a little bit about it in my book, but it's it's also like I wasn't sure my skills were transferable from sports to to oh. to the to, to the work world, and um, but little I know they 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 were transferable, and there was hope for a guy like me who really never had a job my whole life, right? Because my job was playing baseball. I played all over the world, really, and um, but you just have to kind of work through it and and believe that you uh, you know, whether you're 22 or 62 doesn't matter you still have a, a lot to offer and you just have to i didn't want to be you just have to move forward i didn't want to be one of those people who just stuck in the past or or play the victim role like you know this could have happened this should have happened this isn't fair i just kind of said that was my first part of my life now i need to move on and and take some of the skills that i have and and do what i can and I love it. And what an inspirational story. We will get into the book a little bit later, but now I want to transition into what you're doing now, because what you're doing now is fantastic. So tell us a little bit more about kind of who your ideal client is or who you love to work with or who sees you most, <laughs> who comes yeah. to you the most. I would say our ideal client, you know, we've, we work with, we're pretty autonomous when it comes to, um, 
industry, right? So we don't really focus on tech or we don't really focus on healthcare. We kind of can work with anyone, but our ideal client really, Michelle, is an organization who believes in investing in their people. They believe that it's important and they want to they either have or they want to develop a learning culture and uh, and partner. So it's not like a vendor relationship. It's more of a partner, partner, you know, give and take relationship. And that's really, you know, th that's like our ideal customer. And I would say that what we do is we work with our customers, whether through, you know, HR or different business units, to really understand what their what their goals or their challenges are. And sometimes they don't even know when it comes to learning and development. And then we help align a training program that that meets those needs, either at a business unit level or you know, holistically throughout the organization. I love it. So when you're kind of helping them define that content, are they coming up with that content or are you garnering it from other places and facilitating the learning in one in their business? Great, great question. No, we uh, we've developed, we've built and developed all our own IP, our own content, and so I would say seventy percent of our business is soft skills, which I don't like. Really, I don't like that term, but that's what <laughs> most people understand. Yep. You know, so we do we do a lot around core skills. I call them no regret skills. You know, communication, uh, coaching, leadership, um, adaptability, and then thirty percent of our business is still uh, Microsoft Office training where wow. we started. Uh, our Excel classes sell out like there's no like there's no tomorrow. And so uh, really what we do is, you know, we sit down and, and we try to understand, like, where are your challenges? What do you where do you need to develop? And if it fits into what we have to offer, then we, we build out like a, a custom plan. And we like to say we like we have stackable training. So we all know that taking one two hour live virtual class, you're not going to become a, a fantastic leader you know you need to you need to build and a lot of times it's habit change you need to build those different habits to develop into the leader you want to be so we try to build what we call either learning sprints or journeys for our customers nice i love it so when somebody's on their journey do they get does the employee get to pick that is the employer picking kind of an array of them and saying here's the ones you get to choose from how does that work ideally we do we do private like small group classes for just the 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 team themselves you know so we also do public classes where anybody can come join um, but ideally what we do is we work with the customer and uh, the decision maker but also some of the individuals on the team and really understand what are what are what do they need and then we we build out a, a program a stackable let's say two hours every Thursday for six weeks that they come in. So it's kind of like, it's a designed personalized program for the team. And we do it usually over Zoom. We can do it in person. I mean, obviously things really pivoted big time uh, with the pandemic, but uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much how it is. We also have, like I said, these public classes so that um, individuals from the teams can build their own personal learning journeys uh, to figure out if there's specific skills they wanna become better at. Well, I love it could be because, and I wish I had known you <laughs> three years ago when I needed you. It, I see this as something that as a growing company and going, okay, I see that you might, you know, the tech team, I want to transition you into more public facing roles. I want you to have a little bit more communication in, in the project management role. Absolutely. That when I, when I take a techie and put them in into a project management role, I mean, there's 
as you said before, there's the communication skills, there's the customer service skills, there's the project management skills, there's the the delegating of who needs to do what on the team, and and that an organization skill. I mean, there's so much that goes into oh, I just want you to talk to the customer, find out what they need and then go and do it as opposed to me trying to translate for you. You know, I think I'm replacing a half hour job, but I'm really replacing, you know, 30 years of experience <laughs> in yeah. that 30 minutes. So I, to me, this whole thing is fascinating. So give me an example of a, a team that you've been working with and kind of how they utilized it the best. Sure. And 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 just on a side note, yeah. Do you- just reach out to me. I'll give you free classes for your team. No problem. You know? <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and, and, and one of the, I mean, it's really common for us to work with IT departments, help desk departments to really help them improve their, their uh, personal skills. I mean, right. it's because, you know, their internal customers are, are the team that they support. Right. I would say to give you an example of a success, and this is fresh off my uh, memory because I just had dinner with the team about a week ago. Is there a pharmaceutical company uh, located in the Midwest and they got about uh, 600 employees and we started working with them about two and a half years ago. And how that started was they did a pulse study, a survey, you know, like a every six month survey, like how are you doing? How, what's the company culture like? And they scored low on the uh, professional development. The the, the employees felt like there wasn't enough professional development opportunities available. So they kind of reached out to different uh, potential partners, uh, training vendors like LearnIt, and we built up a good camaraderie and we've been working with them ever since. And what's great about them is, and I would say probably at this point, 60% 60% of the employees of the 600 employees or so have been through some type of learning class. And what's been exciting is that they've actually introduced some of the models that we have company-wide. So like our feedback model or the, the listening model we have. And so it's not just, hey, let's just take a class. What do they call it? Like education, you know, for fun. It's actually impacting and helping the business. And our contacts uh, brought up that when they did their most recent pulse survey, their scores were tremendously better around professional uh, development, which, you know, by the way, a lot of the younger generations, especially are demanding in their roles. They're, they're demanding that those growth opportunities. So that was a really rewarding experience. And um, yeah. Well, and you bring up a great topic is that, even though a company might be learn learning focus and saying, hey, I expect you to take a day a week and go and study something and which would be phenomenal. And, but then they're, they're off learning their own things, right? And they're bringing them back and they're having different conversations. Whereas I would think that as people are studying the same content, that you have a con- contextual conversation that you can now bring in. So that when you're say middle management meets together, that even though they're from different departments, they're still speaking a common language that then makes it easier for them to be able to communicate and, and have cross-pollination of ideas and all that kind of fun stuff. Oh, I love it. I mean, you just hit it, you just hit it on the on the head right there, right? So one of the biggest challenges we see with organizations of any size really is working in silos. You know, yeah. this department doesn't understand what this department's doing. But if they can get first to start off by getting 
them, the different departments to collaborate in these classes, but then use similar acumen. And, you know, they say something that, okay, I understand what that means and get everybody to use the same common language that really can help expedite learning growth and, and efficiency. Absolutely. Because I can't tell you how many times I've been in meetings or observed meetings. <laughs> it's more like it, where people are going, well, do you mean this? Do you mean that? Mm -hmm. And the, it's almost like the entire hour is spent trying to figure out the the, the verbiage, right? <laughs> right? Or what? Yeah. Wow. What are? Yeah. Using language that people don't understand. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And, and I like to. You brought it up earlier, like taking a, a class a week or whatever. I like to call it. What we've tried to implement. I thought about this when you were saying that. What we try to get our clients to implement is LTO, learning time off. You know, mm -hmm. we have PTO, but learning time off, and and that is. For organizations, we really, you know, work with our customers to see the value in carving out time, consistent time throughout the month, throughout the quarter for their employees to dedicate to take these classes, you know, to give them, give them the space to be able to learn and develop. Well, and for us, especially in the IT world, I mean, that was paramount. I mean, you couldn't, you can't, yeah, I don't think you could be in business six months away from this moment if you didn't give your people the opportunity to be able to learn. And if self, if being self-taught wasn't part of the culture in the business, that's also like you're dooming yourself right off the bat. And I, I don't know if that translates into a lot of other industries at this point, but I would think it does with all the changes that happen. In my opinion, I, I think one of the, the most critical skills that we could have today and moving forward is learning agility itself being able to learn, having an open mind and, and being open to learning. Um, because things, I mean, look look at whether it's chat GPT or generative AI or, or whatever it is, things are changing so rapidly that the shelf life of a skill, I think used to be about five years. Now it's down to less than a year, even six months. Yeah. So we have to be open to continuously learn and develop or you get left behind or like we've seen in the pandemic, some companies really thrived and others just, they went out because they couldn't pivot. Well, and it, and that's a great point too, is when it comes to mindset, having an agility mindset is totally different than saying, you know, I'm willing and open to learn new things. It's, it's, I want to learn new things. I'm looking forward to learning new things. I'm going to take this thing as weird as it looks, as awkward as it looks, as terrifying as it looks that it's going to replace my job, my income, my whatever, and going, okay, how do I use this to make things better? Like mm -hmm. that is, it becomes a paradigm of, of change itself, which I think we're very much in the, in the throes of. Yeah. I, I would take it a step further. It's not that even that I want to learn new things, like I have to learn new things, you know, and, and you want as a business owner too, you, yeah. you want to kind of set up that culture for your team where they're thinking that way. They're, they're thinking, let's, let's challenge the status quo. Is there better ways to do things? How can we solve problems differently? Are we solving the right problems, you know, and getting in that mindset to, to be able to, to be agile or, or to have a learner's mind mindset or approach to your, your work. And are a lot of businesses open-minded to, if I have a tech department that I can teach them more than just tech, that it's, I can teach them those leadership skills that they may need in the future. Or if I'm taking HR and going, Hey, maybe you can learn some tech skills. Is there that kind of uh, room for diversity? 
I think that's a I think that's a great question. And you know, you look what's going on right now, and there's a lot of layoffs, right? You know, and so and and it's tough and it's challenging. And what we try to share with our customers who are going through those types of situation is now more than ever, it's important to invest in training. And, and, and the reason it is so important right now to invest in training are two reasons. One, you want to continue to motivate the team that you have, right? You know, they're, they've lost some of their friends at work. You know, there's uncertainty. So you want to show that you're still investing in them. And two, which is very important, is those jobs and those tasks, whether they're IT or they're HR, they don't go away. They're still there. So you need to, getting back to your question, you need to learn to continue to reskill your team so that you can pivot them that you have and put them in different positions. Somebody can go from, I've seen this with some of the clients we work with, somebody can go from help desk and they can, they can train up and learn skills, uh, especially if they're interested in it. And they can get into sales or they can get into HR. So, you know, you, you have to always be open and learning that it's important as a business leader or a team leader to, to continue to skill your team and reskill them in the areas that um, are most important. And that brings up, uh, and just <laughs> could even find, well, I'm always talking to business owners about making sure people are in the right seat in the bus, right? That's common. Um, but when when you give your employees the opportunity to go and learn things and they and they catch on to something it's like hey i never knew this was so much fun this is cool can i do something in this area it's like oh yes you can <laughs> right and, and oftentimes they will put themselves in the in the position where they thrive because all of a sudden they're open to that they've seen something that they weren't exposed to before and you've given them that opportunity to be able to self select i love it i always look at it like learn it, you know, for ourselves, even it's, I always believe in hiring for potential over experience. A lot of times, you know, you want to get people in who have the right core values that, that you believe in and that you want for your organization. Now you can't do it for every position, but a lot of them you can, you can take somebody early on in their career or somebody who maybe uh, is in one role. And I think it's a leader's responsibility to really understand you know, what their team members' strengths are or passions and try to direct them and focus them towards those, right? And um, like you just said, and sometimes learning could even, or training, I like that, could even open their eyes like, hey, I didn't even know that you could do this. You know, I didn't really know that you could um, become a developer or, or whatnot, you know, and that's something that can benefit the company. And I, you know, I'm a big believer that employees, you know, I mean, sometimes you have to take a job or be in a job because you have to pay the bills. But for the most part, it's finding a career or a, in a job that you 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 wake up in the morning and whether you're walking into the office or you're getting on Zoom these days that you that you enjoy it and you're passionate about it and you want to continue to evolve yourself and help your company. I love it. Well, and I'm seeing a lot of what I call Renaissance people popping up where they're super good at maybe the tech side of things, very analytical thinkers. And then all of a sudden they get into things like healing or social work. And it's like, how did that happen? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, I think but, that's kind of cool though. I like right. that's cool, right? Yeah. yeah it's like fascinating. Yeah. So, you know, you never know. Your best IT guy could become your best, you know, HR person. Who knew? Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Awesome. So, in your building of your business, you've created a million dollar business plus, yes? Absolutely, yes. Awesome. So how did you 
do that? Was that intention of the business from the get-go? Was it, uh, hey, there's a lot of potential here. We're not fit in it. What do we got to do to make that happen? How did that come to fruition? Well, it's interesting. So when Learn It first started way back 28 years ago, there really wasn't any, you know, five-year business plan. Like, you know, my father came up with the idea, he put it out there and we just kind of block and tackle, you know, but, uh, and this is really even before the internet was that popular, but then about six months into it, I realized that, you know, even working from the front desk, that there, there was a big demand for corporate training. And from that point on, then we invested heavily in R&D for our content and also uh, very important in a, in a sales team. And uh, Learnit has always been a very sales focused, very sales focused organization uh, that, that has a strong customer service side. I love it. And there's often a balance in business between that whole fulfillment and sales. How do we not outsell our fulfillment and how do we make sure that we're fulfilling the need in the industry? So when you were as a receptionist, you, you saw this, but how did you know what people wanted? How did you know what products and services to build out that were going to help you to be able to hone in your resources on the thing that mattered? Well, that's a great question. And the receptionist part was a very long time ago. But to, <laughs> but to, back to, that. But to answer your question, yeah. it's important to be curious. It's about important to be curious, ask questions, and listen. And I've we've found what what do our customers need? And sometimes they don't even know what they need. But it's but it's asking questions to them and yeah. hearing what some of their challenges are. And as well as, you know, for us, we have this you know, phenomenal team of instructors. What are you seeing out there? And um, I've been one of those types of individuals who uh, I'm a ferocious reader. And so I'm always trying to stay on top of what what's important today and, and what's going to be, you know, what is McKenzie or somebody else saying are, are the top skills or what's going to be most important in, in five years from now. And sometimes, you know, you you build MVPs, you know, minimal viable products, you put things out there. Um, and I think it's better to, you know, better, good, better done than great is whatever that, whatever that saying is. You get things out there, Michelle, and see if they stick. And if they don't, you just pivot and move in a different direction. So I think that Learn It has done a great job over the years of being a little bit ahead of the game of what customers um, and our clients need, and also being willing to keep a, a startup mentality, even after 28 years of not being stuck in a, a specific way of doing things. And with that, it's also really important. If you're gonna scale, you gotta figure out how to make things repeatable. Um, and and so we, we find out what these common themes are that we can offer to our customers and do really well and find out how to do that at a scalable level that uh, we can do uh, timely, profitable, and meets the needs or exceeds the needs of what our customers are looking for. Thanks. Yes, I always tell people that done is the new perfect because mm -hmm. six months from now, it's gonna change anyways. You just have to get it out there so that people can rip it up and say, no, this isn't what I want. <laughs> yeah, and it's, it, and it's I'm, I'm, you know, I've worked with our customers, but also, uh, using my media team, for example, we have a gentleman on our media team who always wanted things to be absolutely perfect before we released it on our uh, YouTube channel or something. Or, and but I've you know he's coached himself or we coached him, and now he he does just that. He's willing to get it out there 
Nice. You know, not not afraid to stick his neck out there and then tweak it or iterate it as you go. Nice. Love that. So when it comes to hiring people, do you kind of hire the best? Did you train them to do what you did? Did you, how did, what was your philosophy on bringing people in, especially in the early years when, when, you know, you couldn't just throw money at the problem? That's a great question. And it's not only can we not throw money at the problem, but being in the San Francisco Bay area, especially before the pandemic, it was very hard to compete as a bootstrap company to, to compete against a Salesforce or a Stripe or these organizations who had seemingly unlimited funds and all the perks. What I, I think I don't have any superpowers, but if I did, I think it has been to be able to tap into phenomenal talent, new talent. And, um, how I've been able to do that is you just kind of, you, you meet individuals and you see that they kind of align with your core values and um, maybe they don't have that experience and maybe they wouldn't be given that opportunity somewhere else, but we bring them in, we train, we help onboard them and, and train them. And then Michelle, it's really important. You got to give them the space and the autonomy to try things and support them, even if things fail. And uh, we, we've done over the years, is um, and I look at your team, your, your employees as a team, not a family, right? I think that a, a very strong relationship with people outside of work, but it's important to assemble the best team possible. And sometimes that means that 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 people have hit their ceiling with you and it's okay for them to move on because a lot of the best talent that's ever come to learn it is through alumni referring people to us our alumni, you know, and it's like, hey, they came to, they came straight out of school or maybe after their, their second job, they stay with us for three years in a sales role, in a trainer role, whatever. They pick up all these great skills and then they, you know, they say, hey, it's time to move on. They do. And they always know what type of people would fit into the learning culture and they refer them to us. We always have a steady stream of great referrals of people coming in. Nice. I love it. So is there anything that you did on your way up to scaling your company that you would recommend people don't do? Or, hey, <laughs> learn this and learn this fast. Oh, there's a lot. I mean, we, we, could be, we, we could be here all day talking about that. <laughs> well, speaking I, of which, you're coming up with a new course on that? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I, would, I would say, you know, what not to do is I would say... When a big decision, when you have a big decision to make, whether that's maybe even acquiring a, a competitor or a new business or taking on additional real estate or hiring somebody in a, in a senior role, don't just jump in and do it. Do a little bit of research and, and also kind of think about, I call it purposeful awfulizing. Fast forward one year from now and think about what, what, is, what, is, what are some of the worst case scenarios of things that could happen? You know, and if you really look at those and say to yourself, okay, this is something that we can overcome, then fine. But if it's not, and it's something that could, you know, put you out of business or bankrupt you, then that's not a, that's a, um, go back to the drawing board. A perfect example early on for me, this is back in the dot-com days. And at this point, it's just like, I was like 26 years old. I'm like, I'm a, this is, I'm a, genius this is so easy all you needed is a fax machine for the for the contracts to come in and so i said to my to my dad i'm like hey i want to open up multiple learn it locations i want to have one here 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 and here 
and you know phoenix silicon valley whatever and he said hey you got to be careful you know you know you you never know it's it, as you expand things can get difficult if you don't do it correctly didn't really listen we did we opened up multiple locations uh the dot com bust and michelle if i didn't have my family support during that time would have been out of business you know it was a reckless decision and so but i learned from that so that when things came up in the future that were really big decisions i really thought it through and looked at some of the different areas and then when i had enough of the facts like let's say jeff bezos says at least 70 75 percent that it would work boom move forward and, and and was decisive on it nice so is there anything that you would recommend to an entrepreneur that's maybe not even close to like the million dollars maybe they're just thinking about hey maybe i could do this entrepreneurial thing what would you recommend that they do in order to create or to set them up for the most success possible? Go for it. Do it. <laughs> you know, don't be afraid to fail. You know, you have to, you could sit at home or with your drawing board and write up all your, you know, all your different scenarios, but go out there, st stick your neck out there. Don't be afraid to hear people tell you no. Um, if you believe in what, in, in what your idea is, uh, just go for it and learn and and keep evolving it, you know, because uh, it's never going to happen if, if you don't take the first step to do it and have fun with it, you know, have fun. I business can be fun. <laughs> it should be fun. Yeah. I've been here. I've been here 28. Gosh, it's such a long time. And I, you know, but <laughs> I love coming to work and I think a lot of it is because I believe in what we do yeah. and I, uh, for me, the most fun part is is the team that we have and the team that we've assembled and how we've been able to make a difference. And I think that uh, if you're an entrepreneur out there and you believe in what your idea is, maybe toss it around with a couple other people and, and go from there and go for it. So talk to me about what, so what are the normal paths that somebody might take to start understanding better about what you do and how it works for their company? Well, I think, you know, one, they can go to our website, uh, learnit.com, um, or they can connect with me on LinkedIn at Damon Lemby. Uh, and we could set up a time uh, to speak with one of our learning, about 10 learning strategists who really help navigate. And we we try not to focus too much on, hey, here's all the classes we offer. We, we try to understand, you know, where do you want to go? What are, what are the gaps in the skills that you either you personally have or your team has, or what do you... And maybe it's not even a skill gap. Maybe it's like, hey, we really strive because we want to be able to do this or we want to be able to get to this. And then we just kind of uh, tailor a, a program and, and put it together for you. I love it. So what kind of, kind of stumbling blocks might somebody be having in their business and they're going like, oh my God, we're not doing this. We're not doing that. What are those things they might be going? Oh my God, Damien, I need, Damien, sorry, I need you so bad. Yeah. Uh, I, I see one of the most common one of the most common situations are promoting people from an individual contributor to a manager mm -hmm. uh, who have no previous leadership experience. Mm -hmm. And um, my, you know, for those of you out there, my first thing I'd recommend doing is before you promote somebody or before you take a job in management is to understand if that person even wants to lead people. You know, even wants to lead people, but let's say they do. So that's one of the uh, that's one of the key areas that we help organizations with is how do we how do we bridge that gap? How do we help give them the skill to help them train them on the skills on how to 
run effective one-on-ones, how to have, give better feedback, how to deal with conflict, how to break down silos, um, you know, how to be inclusive, you know? So those are, that's one of the big challenges we have. Another one we talked about earlier, again, which I just mentioned, is breaking down silos and getting comp- uh, organizations and their teams to cross-pollinate and, and work together. So those are two. And then um, there's always, on the other side of the fence, people are always saying, how can we become more efficient with Excel? How can we better display this data in Power BI and tell a story behind it or Tableau? Um, you know, those are those are some of the most common areas that we see uh, customers turning to us for. Nice. I love it. Well, and to me, <laughs> Excel in particular is a fascinating uh, vortex to go down because you, you start at a very surface level and go, oh, okay, I can understand a formula. Okay, I can look yeah. at a spreadsheet without freaking out about the data. And then all of a sudden you start to get into it. And it's like, this is awesome. <laughs> it is. I think it, I think it's really cool. I mean, I. I'm really fortunate, right? Because I, 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 I know enough to be dangerous, but I have, I have like these super awesome full-time Excel instructors that I can, you know, either book time or just call up and say, Hey, can you help me do this? Or is there a way to do this? And there's really so much you can do. I kind of geek out on what you can do with the right. data and, and the way you can display it and tell stories around it. Absolutely. I love it. So we will, of course, have all of Damon's links in the show notes. Go ahead and scroll down, connect with them, find out, have a conversation about what's going on in your company, because this learning skills and being able to transfer those skills down to your team, I find is paramount in being able to build a business to to the point of scaling. Uh, your, your people are your most, what I'm going to call your most important asset in investment. So Computers will speed things up, absolutely, but people will build your company and phenomenally. So I'm a huge advocate of this. I think it's a cultural thing, and uh, the more you can incorporate it in your business, the better off. I want to talk to you about, go back to the book. Talk Mm -hmm. to me about the book and uh, what's it about, and let's start there. Yeah, so thanks. So the book is called The Learn-It-All Leader, Mindset, Tools, and Traits. And I wrote it really, you know, for two reasons. Number one is I, I like to help people. And I think I have some great stories over the 28 years. And two, and I can get into that in a second. And two, you know, my my father, who is a tremendous entrepreneur, you know, I lost him to, we, he passed away because of cancer in 2010. And I've got two little ones. I got a six-year-old and a two-year-old. And I really wanted for them to see his legacy, as well as my mom, who's alive and doing great, of, of how the impact that they've helped uh, me that learn it's made such a difference in everybody's life. My book is really, it's it's about having a, a learn it all attitude. You know, we all, we all know the difference, Michelle, between a learn it all and a know it all, right? A know it all comes to it as they have all the answers, they got it all figured out, and they're really not open to other people's opinions. And a learn it all is somebody who understands you don't have to be the smartest person in the room. Great leaders surround themselves with people who are smarter than them um, and allow them to challenge on ideas and are always open to learning and evolving. And my book, it's broken down into being and doing. So being is like the mindset and doing is, it's a really easy book to read and it's, and it's a practical. It's like, here are some things you can implement now um, around the four key traits, which I believe to be humility, curiosity, obviously got to have integrity and got to have courage. 
And what I mean by courage is just kind of stepping out of your comfort zone. Um, and the lessons in that book are mostly from, I was really fortunate. I got to play for three Hall of Fame baseball coaches, um, you know, from Pepperdine. I went to a year at College of San Mateo and then Arizona State. And I took what I learned from those great coaches, never even realizing it. And I've taken the good things and I've implemented it in my leadership style. So it's just kind of my stories, pretty practical, easily, easy book to read uh, with actionable items on, on, you know, what I think or what I've learned to become um, what I hope a, a good leader. Nice. I love it. So give us the name of the book, where we can find it, all that fun stuff. The Learn It All Leader. And it's, you could find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or uh, yeah, those are, those are, I mean, maybe if you send me a message, I might even send you a digital copy of it, but yeah. Oh. There you go. More incentive yeah. to get a hold of them. Going to LinkedIn and connect. That is awesome. I love it. This is fascinating. I could carry on this conversation forever, but I will give you some time to answer some people's questions <laughs> later. But I get to ask you: At what point in life did you know you're especially kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? You know, I think that um, I kind of had it in my blood with my 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 father and my grandfather. So that kind of gave me the confidence. You know. I always tell people I didn't start learn it myself, but my my father never worked there, so I consider myself an entrepreneur for sure in the different areas that I've done. Um, but I, I I had the confidence from them that that I can do it if I if I committed and I put my uh, time towards it. Nice, I love it. Well, and that clearly showed when you went from reception to CEO in seven years. That's an awesome yeah. track record right there, David. You've been absolutely awesome. Any last words for our peeps? So my last words, I would say is going back to becoming a leader. Uh, first of all, anybody can be a leader. You know, you don't have to manage a team. Um, it starts with yourself. And I like to say the, the great leaders, you know, they're not born, they're not made, they're in the making. So there's always an opportunity through learning and trying things, not being afraid of failure, uh, not being afraid of failure to continue to develop. I love it. Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Thank you, Michelle. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Peeps, thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Thank you for listening to 7 to 8. If you're interested in upping your speaking game, be sure to connect with our guests with the links in the show notes and connect with me to see how we can help you get your tech done for you and help your speaking dreams come true.